0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. I hope you all are well wherever you are. Um, Here in Colorado, you can really feel the seasons starting to slowly change, which is is pretty exciting because, as much as I love summer, I also really love fall and I also love winter. But, anyways, (laughs) I hope that things are going well for you and your dogs wherever you are. So in today's episode, I'm going to address a um, listener-submitted question. So if you don't already know, over at disorderlydogs.com, you can suggest a podcast topic. So if you have something you'd like to hear me talk about on the podcast, you can do that over on the website. We'll be sure to include a link to that in the show notes so that you can find it really easily. So the listener question was about their puppy, and how to work through their overexcitement when they're in new places. And this is such a good question. I'm definitely going to answer that question specifically, but it's really the overarching theme of this question, which is generalizing. So generalizing, as I'm going to talk about it as it uh, pertains to our dogs, um, is really a way to make something more widespread or more widely applicable. Um generally speaking dogs are not super great at generalizing like we think they should right we think like okay you can do this in the house you should be able to do it at the park when there's 30 people and that's a very human expectation right we have very high expectations of our dogs and very low expectations of ourselves and i know that all of you wonderful people listening are doing your best to expect more from yourselves so that you can get more from your dog so First of all, I would like to commend you for that, right? Listening to this podcast and trying to apply some of the things I tell you so that you and your dog can have a better relationship. But when it comes to generalizing, there's a lot of different ways we can make that happen for our dogs. But I want to just state again that it's really important that you consider generalizing trained behaviors for your dogs and not just expecting them to generalize on their own. Some dogs will spoil you, right? Like, I'm not going to lie. Some dogs will spoil you and generalize things on their own, and you won't have to do a ton of work, and that's wonderful. But my guess is that the listener question was because that's not happening, and she needs more feedback about what to do. So when we're talking about generalizing, we're talking about literally spelling it out for our dogs, holding their hand, whatever, you know, label you want to use there. We have to spell it out for them that whatever behavior we're trying to get them to do means the same thing, no matter what is happening, right? That's what you want. So let's talk about how we can make that happen, (laughs) So it's really important that when you are training a new behavior, anything brand new, you're training an environment where the dog isn't overly distracted by anything, right? So oftentimes that's in the house, sometimes that's in the backyard, um, but somewhere low distractions. So when we're looking at generalizing, we're going to be looking at a few things. So one, the distraction level. The distraction level meaning your dog's ability to pay attention to what you're doing or pay attention to things in the environment. So if they're paying attention to you really nicely, chances are pretty good that the distraction level is pretty low for them. So this is going to be extremely dog dependent, right? And this is different even like it it varies widely between Tiva and Waylon as far as like what their baseline of like low distraction is. So if you are new to the podcast, I'm going to encourage you to keep a training journal. If you are not new to the podcast, I hope you have taken my advice and have a training journal already going. But what I want you doing is keeping track of and literally having an ongoing list of what does my dog find distraction So inside of Reactive Redefined, which is my online coaching program for reactive dogs and their guardians, I have all of my students write out a super detailed triggers list For them, it's triggers for your dogs that might be distractions. You can kind of use them interchangeably in all honesty. So I have them write out a low triggers list, a medium triggers list, and a high triggers list, right? So things that might get their dog's attention but aren't going to send them over threshold all the way up to things that are going to send them over threshold. This is relevant for every dog regardless of if your dog is reactive or not. So you need to understand The baseline of what your dog finds distracting. And for the wonderful person who submitted this question, your puppy, depending on their age, their list is going to be ever changing, right? So puppies personalities change a lot over the first year to two years. And typically about like the two year mark, things start to stabilize, right? There's not like giant behavior swings. So for those of you who have younger dogs, your distraction list is just gonna be ever evolving and that's totally okay. But if you have an adult dog, there probably isn't gonna be as much variation in your distraction list. So that would be my first suggestion is literally writing on a list of like, what are some low level distractions that you could train around and then build up to some medium and some higher level distractions. Okay, so let's say, just for example, you're gonna be teaching your dog how to sit. You have a young dog, you're working on sit. So first and foremost, we're gonna start where there's basically no distractions. So inside the house when there's not a lot going on, right? We're gonna start there. We're gonna get the behavior good there. So sit is going really well in the house. Brilliant, then maybe we're gonna try in the backyard, that's successful. Then maybe we go to the front yard, that's successful. Then maybe we try some sits on our walks, that's successful. Then maybe we try asking for a sit after a dog has passed and that has been successful. So it's going to be a bit painstaking initially, I will be honest. But you have to make sure that your dog understands the behavior and a huge scope of distractions and environments, right? So when we're looking at generalizing a behavior, we're always going to start by teaching it and making sure that our dogs are clear on the behavior. So guys, I think sometimes as humans, we're like, okay, they did it five times in the house, so they know it. Mm, Probably not. (laughs) Maybe, but probably not. So my suggestion would be to get several days of successes of the behavior that you're after in low distractions first and foremost, because the more we can build up the reinforcement history for this behavior, the sooner it's going to work in higher distracting settings. Okay, so I think that oftentimes my clients get frustrated with me because I have them do training exercises in low distraction environments and they're like, Yeah, 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 our dog can do this here, but what about, you know, when there's 5,000 dogs and a screaming kid and a skateboard? Well, it seems trivial to do a a bunch of repetitions with low distractions, but In fact, it's really going to work to your favor to have all the reinforcement history for this behavior in those low distraction environments. So I know that it will feel a little tedious at first, but trust the process, right? So never take for granted how many repetitions you can get in, in low distracting environments. And that is not to say that you should be drilling anything. Beautiful people listening, if you are new to the podcast, I never encourage my clients to drill training exercises ever, it's not going to serve you. Short and sweet is definitely the way. So I'm talking like five to 10 repetitions once or twice a day. Like that's the scope that I'm looking at of working on a new behavior in low distracting environments, okay? So say you're working on something in a low distracted environment. Let's go back to the sit. And it's, it's not working when you're out on a walk how do you work on bridging that gap? So one, my suggestion would be to work on more sits in the backyard and the front yard where you've been successful, because that's including some more of the distraction level that you're facing when you're out on a walk. Two, if your dog is not responding to the sit out on a walk yet, stop asking for it, for now, short-term strategy. But remember, if you keep asking for a behavior and your dog's just looking at you, there's metaphorical crickets, You got to go back to the drawing board, not yell at them and hit them and pop the collar and make them do the thing. Because trust me, that might work in the short term, but your dog is going to learn to resent you. And that's not the kind of relationship you want with your dog because you are here listening to me today. So when we're looking at bridging the gap between a low distraction and a medium distraction, you got to try some things. And sometimes that won't work, but that's all information. That's all feedback about like, okay, how could I break this down differently? And guys, I'll be honest. So much of dog training is just creative problem solving. Okay. So like your puppy won't sit on a walk. Can she sit in the driveway? Can she sit when you get her out of the car? More practice there slowly, but surely that's going to start to trickle over to the walk. So never take for granted lots and lots of reinforcement history in low distracting settings, okay? And like, you know, this this applies to every single behavior, not just the sit, right? This applies to recalls and Downs and stays and walking at your side and all of the things we want our dogs to do, we have to honor and recognize that they are not generalizing. We have to do the generalizing for them. And with a creative and well-thought-out training plan, you can 1,000% get to that goal, okay? So like I mentioned before, have an ongoing list of distractions, right? What does your dog find distracting? So that you can set up some training plans with like, okay, this, you know, maybe... Maybe squirrels are a medium level distraction. Like your dog notices the squirrels and will look at the squirrels, but isn't like lunging, barking towards the squirrels. Maybe the next time you're out and your dog sees a squirrel, you ask them to sit and they sit and you feed. Super good feedback about The behavior is holding up to medium-level distractions. That is wonderful. Maybe it's time to start pushing criteria a little bit, meaning let's start asking for it with a little bit higher-level distractions, so maybe if they see another dog or a cat. Remember, you cannot go from the lowest-level distraction and then the next gate go to the highest-level distraction. (laughs) It's a very human expectation. We want quick, instant results, but welcome to the world of modifying behavior. And I think if you're listening and you're like, oh, my God, I don't want to do this. That is what my dog to be better. Well, step up and buck up, my friend, because that's just part of learning. Um, I want you to think about a behavior that you've been trying to modify in yourself and think about how quickly that's been going. And maybe that will be just, just the perfect amount of perspective so that you can change your attitude and step up and do the training that needs to happen for your dog, okay? So guys, it's a simple concept, but generalizing behavior is really the crux of really good dog training, right? Is understanding that our dogs need help. They need handholding. They need us to explain to them that, you know, even if X, Y, or Z is happening, I still need you to do the behavior. And they're going to be able to because of the tons and tons of reinforcement history that has built up for them over time. I will say too that sometimes it's literally just a time thing, you guys. like Sometimes my clients come to me and they're like, we have been working on this behavior every single day for weeks and weeks and weeks and it's not getting better. And usually my suggestion is literally take a week off. Stop doing it for an entire week, give yourselves both a break, and then go back to it. And seriously, nine times out of 10, that's exactly what they needed. And they go back to it and they make really huge strides. So if you feel like you're stuck in training, um, and you feel like you really have been doing a good job of not overtraining, you've just been periodically doing some reinforcing of the behavior and you feel like it's still not working, give yourself a week off. (laughs) literally, just take one week off, not forever and always, one whole week, and then I want you to go back to the training plan. If that still isn't working, that's when you reach out to me or another qualified positive reinforcement trainer who can help you. So for those of you listening who don't know, I offer 45-minute virtual consults. So if you're not ready to commit to working with me, a lot, but you've got some questions for me, know that I'm always available. If you just need to chat for 45 minutes and just ask me a few questions, I am here for you. I've been able to connect with some really amazing people all over the world, and if you need help or support, I would be honored to be a part of your training journey. So y'all, short and sweet and to the point, here we are, generalizing. So remember, you have to help your dog generalize, okay? So I wanna to just touch on two more points that are really important when we're talking about generalizing. So we talked about distraction already, right? The different lists, lists of distraction. So there are two more Ds included in this, right? So distance, distraction, and duration. So distance is referring to how close you are to the dog when you cue the behavior. Really, the only distance behavior that I'm worried about personally is recall, right? That the dog can be super far from me and they're still going to come. But if you have really high ambitions of doing dog sports, distance is going to be really relevant to you. But you would break that down the same way. Can the dog do it the distance from you, can you be right next to the dog? The dog does it. Can you be two feet away from the dog? The dog can do it. Can you be three feet away from the dog? The dog can do it. So remember, if you are focusing on distance, like you want the dog to do something and you're not right next to them, you have to break down and generalize that distance, right? Again, I would go back to starting training in low distracting environments. You're successful there with some distance and then building up to more distraction, okay? So like I said, distance isn't a huge... um A huge priority for me, generally speaking. But like I said, if you've got high hopes of dog sports and stuff like that, definitely something you have to consider when we're generalizing the behavior. And then the third D is duration. So duration of time they can maintain or do the behavior. Duration is really the most important for me when I'm looking at stays, right, sit or down stays, and walking at my side on cue. So at first, I'm not going to expect a ton of duration, right, when I'm training A stay, I usually get like a couple of seconds of duration before I release the dog and then I build up. And I think stay is one of those things too that we feel like as humans, we're like, uh, well, the dog can stay in the house. Why can't they stay out in the world? Well, because the behavior hasn't been generalized. That is the answer. The great news, now you know how to generalize the behavior. I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy that you have the answers and now you can do the training and you can see the results. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay, so everyone, to recap, generalizing, you have to do it. It's an important part of training. You can focus on distraction, distance, and duration of time that we work on all of these behaviors. I hope this this episode was helpful. Hey, do me a favor. If you like this podcast, Leave a review. I would be so honored to know what you think about this podcast. And by leaving a review, you may just help another struggling dog guardian who has a disorderly dog who needs some support and they could find this podcast. Do me another favor. If you like this podcast and you're like, yeah, I don't want to leave a review. Hey, share it. You could just take a screenshot of this episode. Tag me in your stories. You could share it on Facebook. Um, You wouldn't believe the power of you just sharing this episode with one person. I know. And I'm sure you know other people with dogs. I know you do. All right, everyone have a beautiful weekend. Smooch those puppies for me. And I am already looking forward to the next episode. Reactive dog guardians. If your dog lunges, barks, generally loses it. The dogs, people, squirrels, skateboards. We have a free mini course just for you. Head over to a agoodfeelingdogtraining.com. Click free resource to get started on your reactive dog training journey today. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you need help with your dog's behavior, you can learn more about our training services at agoodfeelingdogtraining.com. We post training inspiration and training tips almost daily over on the Instagram at agoodfeeling underscore NCO. If you like this podcast, we would be so grateful if you could share it with a friend or family member who could benefit from all of the information. Um, it's been a total delight. We love this podcast so much and thank you so much for listening to disorderly dogs.